0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, poison cool. Step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. You're everywhere. This is our command. Your every whimsical desire
2: brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always price. Welcome, Welcome to the, the, the greatest Order! Welcome back, boils and ghouls, ladies and germs, talking to terror fans nationwide and worldwide. It's Wednesday night. It's 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You know what that means. It's time for Talking Terror, that podcast your mommies and daddies warned you about. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy Jean, welcoming you back to the show. Uh, tonight, it was supposed to be the demonic Dr. Dave's pick of Hereditary, but unfortunately, he had to go return some videotapes. So we're not going to be seeing him tonight on the show. So instead, we have a very special episode. No, there's not going to be a bicycle shop. No, nobody's going to get molested. Hopefully not, but you never know with this show. Uh, no, tonight is actually a pick from T.A. Radke, a very good friend of the show. He reached out to me and recommended we cover 2000's American Psycho, directed by Mary Harron. So, very excited to get into that. That's a movie that I've been looking forward to covering once again on the reboot. But without further ado, I'm joined by the bold, the beautiful, oh my God, he even has a watermark, the Ghoul Geek Keith.
1: Hello, hello, yes, yes, I am in murders and executions, thank you, and uh, I do indeed have a watermark, I am one of many vice presidents of this, this fine company.
2: It's, it's bone with silly spots. so yeah, I always remember your car. <laughs> okay, so how Absolutely are you doing tonight, sir?
1: I am fan-fucking-tastic, man, it's been a fun week in movies, that's for sure. Uh, it's definitely been exciting, a lot of
2: gears are turning We're going to try to cover as much as we can before we get into the movie But we're also joined by one of our other hosts Banging on his cell door, all out of tapioca Stroked it, jerked it, ready to go, Mad Monkey
0: <laughs> Hello, my name is Mad Monkey I too am a president at Talking to Her. Vice President, I'm sorry Before every show, I corrupt myself and I Lather my ass in a sticky tapioca pudding because it helps prevent agent. I have the ass of a five-year-old. How are you guys I doing tonight? Monkey.
1: The monkey has got a very rare ability. The monkey is one of the, the fine, fantastical creatures out here in the universe that somehow can lick his balls but not suck his own wee-wee.
2: You it, think he
0: could? It's just the way I'm built, man. It's like I just I, I have some kind of flexibility, but just not enough. I'm sorry. It's just. But anyway, kids, stay tuned for my future videos on my YouTube channel, che-
2: Cheeky Monkey.
1: <laughs> all you <spanking laughs>
2: all the time. <laughs> Monkey just a fresh. I'm excited mm-hmm. about tonight's episode. Um,
0: seriously, like I get give, Just want to give a quick thanks to T. A. Radke. For picking this movie I'm really excited for us to be covering this Got my raincoat and everything So yeah, I'm ready to go, man
2: Yes, I do know that you have that raincoat Because you showed up last night uh, For our wrestling night And you showed up in a, a raincoat Dancing with Billy Lewis in the news. So that's how yeah, I, I, I knew I you were excited <laughs> <laughs> That actually did happen And I still have your raincoat You forgot to bring it home with me, you, you douche That's fine, I'll use it when it rains outside. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you could probably use it as a condom.
2: (laughs) I probably could. No, I don't know. I don't measure. I don't know. know No, it's big enough. Probably way too big.
1: (laughs) But we do know indeed that the that the king does not measure.
2: I don't. I don't measure. Never did. Never will. I just. I trust that it's small enough to just be nice. And that's fine with me. You know, I've disappointed enough women to know that it's not that big, so it's fine. (laughs) uh, So enough about my dick. Uh, let's talk about some movie news. I want to give it over to The Ghoul, who has some things. I have some things. So let's talk about some things.
1: Uh, let's kick it off, Ghoul. Cool. Uh, I mean, you know, again, obviously we do not have the demonic doctor here to sit there and regale us with horror news, as he so calls it. Uh, as we do, too, I guess. Um, but, indeed, no, we did have a bunch of push drop this week. I think that uh, none – you know, again, without the doctor here, it means we can go a little bit, a uh, little bit nerdy as we like to do. And Woo-hoo. I mean, why not? Why not kick it off with the big one that dropped this week? Fucking Avengers Endgame, guys! How was that for a fucking trailer?
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to get uh, your opinion first, uh, Google, because I know you wanted to bring it up. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm sure that the monkey does as well. Uh, I personally can't fucking wait for April next year. That was just a teaser, and it was just enough for me to be like, you know what, that's great. Fucking cannot wait for Endgame. Um, but there's a lot to, to unpack with just a little teaser. So what was your initial thoughts when you saw it, uh, Gould?
1: I mean, obviously, the first time watching it, it is a matter of just kind of jaw-dropping, like, yes, you know, getting the name of the yeah. film, uh, getting, a, getting an overall sense of, of what the vibe is Walking into it it you know obviously he's got a very dark feeling um everything right off the bat starts off with that that uh, I guess they're calling it the decimation you know Thanos is snap you know with the whole uh, Marvel Studios logo coming up and then just blowing away like dust um you know, after watching it for X amount of times and, and pouring over a ton of different things, you know there are a lot of clues as to what may or may not be going down in it. So it should be uh, should be interesting to see what this product's going to look like. Uh, but first, all, we also do have Captain Marvel too. So we do,
2: yeah. Is that, uh, that's coming out before uh, Avengers Four, right? I think it's coming out February, yes, March. March? Oh, well, okay, March, 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 okay. March, yes, oh, right. indeed. Okay, uh, monkey. What was your initial thoughts on Avengers Endgame, the teaser?
0: Uh, man, I'm hoping they go with the dark theme that this trailer is definitely making it look like it's going to go. It's like, you know, from the Hawkeye stuff that was going on that everyone's still missing, you know. And I I think that the Avengers series needs a little bit of darker tone after what happened In Infinity Wars, and it's just I think this would be a really interesting spin if they actually take it dark and are willing to give us a couple things that we think they would be afraid to do, mainly an Iron Man death.
2: Yeah, that's a good point I was going to bring up to the ghoul because thinking of the title as being Endgame, as we've seen the trailer, he is aboard, I believe it is the Benatar, which was the second Guardian ship Uh, that we see him in recording the message to Pepper on the uh, Stark helmet, you know, the Iron Man helmet. But that was the one thing I wanted to bring up to you guys, is because we saw the original Iron Man film where Tony is taken into a cave in the middle of the desert, and he manages to make a a suit to get out of the situation he's in and fly back home. So you would think with all the technology he has for the Benatar, wouldn't he be able to do something with that tech? Because it seems like he's just kind of given up.
1: Go ahead, Gould. Oh, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I think obviously time is going to have passed mm-hmm. since the events of, you know, Infinity War. Um, I think at this point, if the ship is drifting as it looks like, you know, uh, uh, there could be all the tech in the world on that ship. All the things that he can invent on that ship, it doesn't mean he's got any fuel left to move that ship. And that's mm-hmm. where I think they're kind of you know, kind of screwed on there, because that should be him and Nebula on that ship.
2: Right, it should be just them two on that ship, which would make sense. And it also it leads to wondering if Pepper is going to be one of the people that can save Tony, uh, because I don't know how familiar you guys are with Tony Stark and the Iron Man comic books, uh, but he did mention the word rescue in his tape to Pepper. And if you guys know the comic books, you know the Pepper Potts did put on the Iron Man suit, and it became the rescue suit because that was exclusively for Pepper that we kind of got to see in Iron Man 3 that she's capable of putting on that tech. So I uh-huh. thought that might be a good little kind of teaser that maybe she's the one that saves Tony.
1: Depends on how far out they are. I mean, that looks like they're they're pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> deep much deep deep lost amongst the galaxy there. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Or it could be Captain Marvel because, like we had talked about, Captain Marvel comes out in March, but they already confirmed that Captain Marvel will be in Avengers 4 Endgame. So it also is something mm-hmm. of whether or not she can get out there to save, uh, Tony.
1: Which okay, is a, a good model. Up. Yeah. Well, again, I think, That's you know, it. the, the trailer shows a lot of things here. I mean, we see, you know, Hawkeye in his new getup, um, you know, which I believe is, uh, called Ronin, uh, where yeah, he's kind yeah. of, uh, you know, judging from the scenery, he's looking like he's murdering some Japanese, uh, kind of assume from the the look and whatnot and, and the wording of the trailer that his family is amongst those that, that vanished uh,
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: decimation. Um, you know, we got uh, Cap, you know, Widow with her new hairstyle, Cap without his beard now. They're, they're talking about a plan. I think the big thing that's going to come up here is is that it's all going to come down to the quantum realm. I think that's why Captain Marvel is as important as she is. Uh, If I remember my comic book stuff correct with that, she does harness quantum ability, Uh, and it's something about her powers, and being that (laughs) Scott is lost in the quantum realm, you know, in Ant-Man and Wasp, we hear about and we have seen that time doesn't move the same there. Um, Right. That, that that there's wormholes or some shit that uh that, that Michelle Pfeiffer talks about. I'm sure something with that and that device that they have in the back of that van is how they're going to do some kind of time jump to prevent this from happening.
2: Which would explain why Scott Lang shows up at the end of the teaser you know, with the van, you know, coming up to the Avengers compound. Like, hey, I'm still here, guys. What's up?
1: <laughs> Ant-Man, you know, Ant-Man.
2: Yeah, it it was a great little kind of capper to that. Um, I I like shots of Thanos, you know, on his planet, uh, which I thought is the soul gem that he put himself into at the end of Infinity War. Um, It makes you wonder, though, if the Infinity Gauntlet is actually fused to him now, or if he's just wearing this broken-up piece of metal, which I think it's kind of fused to him now. I don't think there's any way you can get it off unless you chop off his arm.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there's a way to get it off. (laughs) Let H get a hold of that shit.
1: <laughs> it is one uh it was one broken gauntlet, that was for sure. So we oh, will yeah. uh, we'll see. I mean that's that's the kind of stuff that uh he could just be dejected and aimless. You know, he had this mission. This mission was everything for him. Um, now that he's completed it, you know, is this a case in which he no longer has a purpose?
2: Right. Well, yeah, you know, kind of living on that, that farm planet, uh, at least in the comic books, from I remember, which is why I like the fact that they showed his armor on the uh, scarecrow. You know, kind of like I have no use for this armor anymore, so I'm just going to put him on a scarecrow. You know, live on this farm, and and live the life I want. What I was also I wanted to get your guys' perspective too, because what I was interested is the fact that they didn't show Rocket or Star Wars at all. Like, not even a little glimpse of them in the trailer. And I thought, wow, okay, we show Nebula, but you don't show Star Wars or Rocket. So I thought maybe they're kind of, you know, playing close to the chest. I'm not going to give that teaser just yet, showing you where Rocket and uh, Star lord are.
0: Now, also, I'm I'm having a brain fart from the last movie and stuff like that, but I don't remember seeing Doctor Strange in the
1: trailer either. And no, he he faded. Yeah, he, he was one that yeah that disappeared.
2: Yeah, Return of oh, okay. so Yeah, he was one of them. Yeah, but that's what I was talking about: Rocket and Star Wars, two of the, the people that didn't. Uh, you don't see. You even get a shot of Thor, you know, in the in the uh, teaser. So I was kind of wondering. Well, it's interesting. You leave out Rocket and Star Wars. You think you'd want to show everybody, you know, kind of where they are now, post uh, you know snap. Uh,
1: I mean, looking at it, I'm surprised actually that they even showed Nebula um yeah. mm-hmm. like showing Thanos made sense um yeah. and i feel like the majority of the trailer was trying to show us the original avengers cuz that's what's left um right. you know you you've got iron man you've got hawkeye you've got widow thor cap hulk um you know so obviously they throw ant-man in there for levity it's really, it's re- it really is the nebula scenes that are in there that are kind of the yeah. ones that are, are a little off-putting. You know, that, that's what kind of throws things off a little bit. So mm-hmm. it makes me wonder what her importance is going to be in the overall scheme of this. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, in, my, in kind of remembering my comic book history, and I'm glad that you brought up Ronan too, uh, cool, because I was having a brain fart moment last night with the monkey where I couldn't remember what, what uh, Hawkeye became when his family got killed and he became an assassin. That wore the mask, and it was Ronin. So I guess that's what you're seeing in the, in the trailer. Uh, so, But Nebula, from what I remember from the comic books, isn't she the one that gets the gauntlet and brings back the Avengers that were turned by the snap of Thanos? Or am I just completely making that
1: up? Uh, you know, it's been so long since I, re- I read that, man. I'm not but sure. I want to say that she was. It's definitely a possibility.
2: I could Maybe that's
1: the importance of having a Nebula. Now, one thing I did notice, and I know some sites are debunking it, some people aren't, you know, there's, there's been theory mm-hmm. that there's going to be a large time jump involved okay. in this movie. Uh, some people saying as much as five years. Um, other people are saying no, based on, you know, Stark's positioning and whatnot with the ship and everything. Uh, I'm thinking with Hawkeye going into the Ronin persona, you know, I don't think that's something that would have happened overnight. You know what I'm saying? So oh, I'm yeah. thinking that yeah. we and and to me it looks like the makeup and the hair that they have on Cap he kind of looks like he is slightly older as well. So I'm wondering if this is going to take like a two or three year time jump. Um where we are going to have some time in between uh, Infinity War to this point. I just don't know how far. Maybe it's not 5 years, but I think there will have been time passed. So I do also wonder, how long was Scott Lang in the quantum realm?
2: Yeah, and that could be a a big difference maker right there, like you had said. If there is a definitive time jump, whether it's two, three, five years, I'm showing you how long Scott was in the quantum realm, how long Tony's been in space, how long time has passed since the snap. Um, But to bring back the monkey's point, uh, do you think that this is the time for them to kill off Tony? You know, and let Robert Downey Jr. have his kind of swan song with Avengers Endgame. I think it's fine. I wouldn't mind it if they killed him off. I think that would be a bold move, and I think it would be a welcome one.
1: Listen, you know, it's one of those where just because you kill off Tony Stark, it doesn't mean you're eliminating the character. You know, other people can get in that suit. Um, And I'm not just talking War Machine. They can always introduce other characters to come in there as that. Um, I think the bigger thing will be is are they going to just straight up kill him? Or are they going to retire him? You know, Chris Evans, too, is is in that position in which he's looking to uh, to get out of this. Um, these guys have been involved with this universe now for 10 years, you know, multiple films. Yeah. It's a lot to, to do, and you commit a lot of time and energy and everything to this project. I would rather see all of them go out on a high note rather than Wear it down to the point where you're just feeling like, all right, I don't want to see them anymore. I think the the better thing to do. I mean, obviously, just like in the comic books, you can always kill them. And you can oh well yeah nobody wants to see it better. well you know listen man I was yeah. I was a Wonder Man I was a Wonder Man fan you know I did have Wonder Man you know all the first run of that fucking series oh, you're that so fan. okay yes I was I was that one fan um, I forget how I even got into that comic too like somebody like the comic book I think the comic book shy comic book shop guy was just like oh yeah you should check it out you'll really enjoy it you know and like that was the thing for I was like, oh, I really like X-Men and I really like Wonder Man for whatever reason. <laughs>
2: um, and I wanted to get the, the monkey's perspective about the whole Tony Stark issue. But I actually saw an article earlier today that I haven't had time to confirm. But apparently, of all people that want to take over for Captain America after eventually you know, Chris Evans leaves, is John Fina. He wants to step into the boots of Captain America.
1: Oh, hell no. Take
2: over that character. I don't like it. Don't want to see it. John King, stay away, please. You know I can't see you anyway, so I don't want to see you in this movie. No, no, I, I think that would
0: just be a horrible, horrible move. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, all right. So, Mookie, what do you think about them taking out Tony Stark? You know, kind of ending it with the swan song of Endgame.
0: Well, um, as we discussed last night, it's like. The way they've been writing Tony Stark and the way he feels responsible for the Avengers and the fate of the world, he has this thing about he always feels like he has to be the one to be the martyr. You know, um, mm. when it came time to save New York, you know, he's the one that shot up there with the nuke straight up in there. He wasn't planning on coming back, you know, uh, in Age of Ultron, you know, he, he was the one that was shoving himself into gyros and shit like that, and, you know, getting ready to end everything, because he felt like he has to be the one to commit and sacrifice to make it happen. Like, I don't know why, it's just that just seems to be the way they've been writing him. So it wouldn't, you know, and then also going to the planet where Thanos was, you know, he was right on top of that shit. You know? <laughs> um, so it just, if, you know, if again, if we're calling it endgame, and we're going for a darker tone, I I see. Why not? You know, Robert Downey wants out anyway. Um, like the Google said, we can have other people in Iron Man suits. It just wouldn't be Tony Stark. Um, and I think it would be perfectly fine if they actually let Robert Downey Jr. go and let Iron Man go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> and just just be the the, the ass martyr hero that he has envisioned himself as this entire time.
1: And like I said in comic books, man, people die, and they always they can come back. So the idea, like some people have said, oh well, instead of killing them, have them retire. This way, they could always bring them back later down the road. You can kill him. And still find a way to bring him back later down the road, you know, five, six, seven, ten years from now, if they feel like, you know, oh, boy, you know, this thing is getting stale. Maybe we need to bring Robert Downey Jr. back or, you know, he makes the fourth Sherlock Holmes movie and everybody's like, dude, you suck as an actor again. You know, be Iron Man. (laughs) Any number of these things are all possible for any and all of these guys. Plus, there are so many franchises now that they can tap into with the Fox feel that uh, you know the sky's the limit they're no longer relegated to just this handful of characters that they they had the rights to they now have just about everything yeah right yeah
2: completely agree and and to put the end game on the end game teaser yeah i I don't think that uh, the really kind of serious fans of robert debbie jr would be disappointed if it is his final film as tony stark personally i think he did a fantastic job Iron Man and all the other movies he was a part of. I thank him for doing his service as Tony Stark, and I would like to see him leave because I'm sure he wants to do something else. I'm sure he doesn't want to be Tony Stark the rest of his life. So let him do something else. Let him move on.
1: Cheers to that, man. You know, I'm sure. Listen, exactly. Robert has you know other things that he wants to do, just like all actors do. I just watched Baba Boo get his head pulled off in this fucking movie. This is hysterical <laughs> yeah. well, it's So true. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah,
2: so that that uh is going to be seen April of next year. Um there is something else I know that you wanted to talk about tonight, Google. Something else that's superhero oriented, not quite in line with Marvel or D C, but something a little bit off the cuff with James Gunn.
1: Yeah. I uh I was just, you know, flipping through the uh the tube of you. know, so checking out all the all the big trailers, obviously Avengers, um you know, there there was the Godzilla trailer that dropped. I know you want to talk about that too. But while I was going mm-hmm. through all of that, I came across a trailer for a film called *Brightburn*, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll take a quick look at this and let's, let, let's see what this is." And my jaw just kind of dropped because I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> somebody took the Superman idea. Mm-hmm. I and mean, this is what I'm taking the trailer as. Yeah, yeah. they took the Superman idea from Man of Steel and said, hey, we're gonna kind of make this shit evil and dark as, and, uh, you know, this is a fucking alien from, from another planet with all kinds of powers that are, are foreign to us and above and beyond what our abilities as humans are, and he is just going to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
2: was, um, because, yeah, you had said it on the group chat, You know, to discuss on the show Brightburn. And I I had heard about it because I knew that James Gunn was producing it. Uh, His brothers helped write it. Um, So I was kind of interested in seeing what it was all about. I watched the trailer and I thought, you know what? This is kind of like if kal El fell from Krypton, landed on the Kent farm, everything's fine. Zod did the exact same thing as a baby and landed on the Brayer farm and just started to fuck shit up because he's evil and he's insidious and all other things that happen as Brendan Brayer. Kind of realizes his powers, uh, you know, wearing a, a mask with glowing eyes, you know, and blowing shit up. Like, I was like, all right, it's something completely different, and I like it. It's, instead of showing the hero, you get the villain origin. Um, <clears throat> so uh, what were your thoughts on that, uh, Monkey, the uh, Bright Burn trailer? Um, I watched it earlier
0: today, and, yeah, like, you guys, I was fucking stoked because I can't stand the big blue Boy Scout at all. And uh, I I love that someone has gone and taken Superman and pretty much turned him evil, and sort of straight out the get go. And it's it's looking also like it's going to be a lot of fun, horror wise too. It's like it's not just going to be, you know, evil superhero movie kind of thing. You know, just from the trailer that I watched, it's, it looks like you know they're actually taking it and trying to make it dark and, you know make it a fun movie to watch while at the same time still having superpowers involved, you know? And, uh, do you know how long James Gunn has been working on this movie or anything?
1: No. Again, this, for me, when I caught that trailer, that's the first I had ever even heard of this thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I had only read an article, I think it was on Buddy Disgusting about how James Gunn was going to be producing a, a superhero horror oriented film called Brightburn. Um, and it definitely delivered, because James Gunn knows horror films. You know, he also knows comedy, but he knows how to mix them both. Obviously, with Guardians, he knows how to make a superhero movie. Um, I just like the fact that they're showing him as a kid. You know, it's not like all of a sudden he's an adult and he's blowing shit up and he's being evil. No, he's still a kid, you know, wearing a, a homemade costume that he made just so he could be evil. And I was like, this is what we need. We need a little bit of change of pace from the heroes, like the big, boys, uh, big uh, Boy Scout that we get with Superman.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, it's great, too, because, you know, like like I've always said with how I felt they should have went with the Batman versus Superman film, you know, this is almost like Lex Luthor's, like, what his point of view is of what (laughs) Superman is, you know, this is giving us that perspective, you know, Lex Luthor sees Superman as this invading, horrible alien who's going to, you know, destroy humanity, and that is—it's what it looks like. Gunn is done with this, and I—oh I, yeah—it's one of the most excited—you know—one of the most excited oh, yeah. I've been for a movie in a long time. So,
2: yeah, when I when I got done watching it, I was like, I cannot wait for Memorial Day, you know, so I can go to the theater and watch this movie. Um, but yeah, like uh, you had said, Ghoul, that was the one thing about Batman And Superman that I actually did like was Lex Luthor basically saying this guy is a god and he should be governed. Why should we let him fly around and do? You know, we should be, you know, looking at him and seeing what he can do and, and, and experimenting and doing the shit. We shouldn't let him just do whatever he wants. Like, you know, I like that part of that movie. It's just the rest of it didn't work out very well.
1: <laughs> Why would you say that name?
2: Yeah. Huh? I just think it, it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, you know, obviously it's in capable hands with James Gunn, uh, the director. I he hasn't done anything as far as directing. This was his first major kind of directing role. I know he had a lot of bit work with uh, James Gunn. He worked on the Belco experiment, so it's going to be uh, you know it's something to see. You know, if this could be turned into a potential franchise, I, mean, yeah. I have no idea what they're, what they're going with it. They might just make it into one movie. Just make one Brightburn movie and that's it. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember a movie that James Gunn did years ago called Super with uh, Rainn Wilson, which was a superhero movie as well, which is fantastic. Like, if you want to get an alternative kind of universe superhero movie, definitely check out Super, because it is really dark, but it does have, like, comedic elements to it, where Rain Wilson <laughs> becomes a superhero because he reads comic books. Yeah, a great film.
0: I am curious how much uh, James Gunn is going to be involved with the movie. Like, you know, like I'm curious if he's going to be, you know, t- tapping into like a co-director's chair or anything like that to help make this movie happen, or does he, or is he just sitting on the side throwing cash at it, going, "You guys go ahead and do what you want to do." I can see him doing that.
1: I'm want- I'm wondering that too only because I'm wondering if we're going to see any elements being that this is such a dark take on the, the the superhero genre. I'm wondering here if we're going to see any shots taken about, you know, his uh his having to leave the whole entire yeah. Marvel universe due to that that tweet thing, you know, is this in a way yeah, an answer yeah. To that, his little, uh, his little fu, you, you know, like guys, you know, fuck you, people, for, uh, <laughs> you know, for for making that such a big deal that I had to fucking leave, you know, the Guardians thing, even though nobody wanted me to.
2: And I think no, I was thinking the same to thing. It is make a lot of money?
1: What's that, King? Oh, Go sorry. What you say, King?
2: No, I was going to say that because his name is so attached to it. I think it's going to make money off of that. You know, the Guardians fans are going to want to go see it because his name is attached. And they're going to want to Uh see what he can come up with. Even though he's not a director, he's a producer, they're still going to go see it because James Gunn's attached. And the loyalists are going to go watch it because of that reason. You know, whether or not they think it's a good movie or not. Yeah, I think so.
1: I think, you know, more strongly than that is it's a good trailer. You know, so even if it. it, You know, if I didn't know James Gunn was attached to Guardian, this film still held interest to to me. So, I think no matter yeah. what, that, that is always the big thing. And, uh, I mean, you know, we'll see if this movie will burn brightly in theaters.
2: <laughs> Ooh, very
1: nice. like
2: that little bit there. Alright, so, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, uh, Ghoul? Uh, before I get into the well, last kind of trailer business I want to talk about.
1: Yeah, you know, like, I got... Like, this past week was, was a little bit trying for me, okay? Um, I ended up, my, my TV finally burnt out in my in my okay. bedroom. Um, you know, it was a cheap insignia. I had gotten it from selling a certain amount of generators, and uh, one of the local mm. supply houses, you know, had listed on there that, you know, you sell X amount of generators, and you can get a 1080p television, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, cool, you know, who, I could always use another TV um, And then right. it came in handy uh, when, when I split With, uh, with my, my ex And uh, I needed a television And well, guess what, right. I had this fucking TV now, it was, it was, Like I said, it was a cheapie It's an insignia, it was like 36 inch Maybe, you know, 1080p Yeah, Except it was 60 hertz So the frame rate was fucking, you know, was, was shit yeah. Well, it finally died um, so I had to go and, and get a new television, and I found a good deal for one at Best Buy. It was a, uh, you know, 43 inch Samsung, you know, similar to the one that I have in the living room, smart TV, 4K resolution, all of that. It's actually just a little bit bigger than the one in the living room. So I assumed what I was going to do is, is I'm going to take that television, I'm going to put that one in the living room since it's bigger, and I'll put this one in the bedroom, and everything should work out peachy keen. I'll have a smart TV in both of my rooms, and I'll be able to access all of my my apps and all that stuff accordingly. Well, as I set everything up in the living room with this television, and I loaded up my new app and put in all of my information, I Mm -hmm. find that this particular model, Mm -hmm. for whatever purpose has the old Hulu app in it, even though it's a brand new television, you know, because I ended up having to look all this stuff up and, you know, models prior to 2016 had the old Hulu app, anything past that could have the new Hulu app. But this particular Samsung television only has the old app. So you have no way to update that app. You have no way to change that app. And the problem with that old app is that it doesn't run the live TV function, which is okay. one of the main reasons why I have that in the living room because we don't have a cable box in here. But it still gives me access to all of my local news, local channels, and you know, being able to watch shows like the Goldbergs and everything. Mm. So that – it, It got me to thinking, and it pissed me off because, you know what, now we're at a point here where you're no longer having, like, when you go to purchase a fucking television, you know, now I have to sit there and think about and look up and do research to find out what particular apps or what version of apps it has. It's not... Good enough just to fucking buy a smart TV and know that you can update it through connecting to the internet like you would do anything else that has this kind of system to it?
2: Yeah. I just hide the technology, man. In this day and age, you know, you got to be up on it. I mean, that sucks. You know, especially for me because I don't care about that type of stuff, you know. I the Hulu app. I just want fuck a fucking TV that I could turn on. <laughs> if this moment turns on and I could watch TV, I'm good. You know, I have a Blu ray player. I'm fine with that. But I could see somebody like you who wants all that tech could be a bit of a bitch, you know, having to deal with all that, you know, and getting the right apps and getting the current apps. That's got to be a headache. So I feel for you, bro.
1: no, no it's, it's just utter stupidity. It blew my mind, man, because it was just like, you know, I was... Again, like I had to... And it's not like it's that big of a deal. I just ended up moving the television into the bedroom where I have the cable box and my Xbox so I can run the Hulu Live TV app through that, which, you know, of course, you know, later thinking, I was like, oh, hey, I do actually have an Xbox in the living room, so I could watch the Hulu Live TV app through the Xbox and all would be fine. But, you know, in that particular moment, I was just thinking I needed to use it through the thing. But, you know, again, like, yeah, so... That 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 was just that. That was just a little bit of grief on that end. Um the the one other thing that like I I had been seeing lately, um and really looking forward to uh well two things actually. So i look at that. I actually have like a whole bunch of things to talk about today. What is well, that? What I watched you know what I, I I got home from work today, and while I was at work, I started thinking about a movie, got home, and I was like you know what i 'm going to watch this film, and I mm. think we 've discussed this before, and there 's like we 're always on the fence with it or not. You know I got home, I watched the never ending story, and I think i 'm mm. finally in the camp of I feel like the never ending story does need a remake or reimagining um, I agree. you know as as entertaining as it still is to watch that that film. And, you know, the actors involved with it and the practicals and everything that are in it, I just feel like now it's at a point where it's like, you know, it is looking a little shittier. It is just – it's some of the things are just definitely not holding up to the same, same level that I could see it being done now. I know mm. Monkey, I'm sure, has something to say with that because he's almost – Yeah, I was going
2: to say, go ahead, Monkey. What do you think
1: about that? <laughs> Hot take. Um. As, as much as I hate
0: remakes and stuff like that, um, I can definitely see where the ghoul is coming from this because I actually watched it not too long ago and as much as I do love all the practical effects, all the giant sets that they built for this fucking movie, you know, um, you know, even using Nightmare on Elm Street you know, rooms that turn so they can do some of the special effects of the winds blowing and stuff like that, yeah, um, the practical effects, some of them, especially the creature effects, do look very, very dated and you do get to a point where you get annoyed at how much they move all of the creatures' noses in this fucking movie. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you you watch the movie and every creature had its own puppeteer just to move the fucking nose shit. You know, I know this because I've seen behind-the-scenes shit about this movie. And yeah, nose technology, you know. It's you know, yeah. brought to you by yeah. nose. But I could, definitely, I could definitely see this being rebooted, especially because what's covered in the, the first movie is actually just a little part of the book. The, mm-hmm. the first movie is just a very, very small part of the book. There's actually a whole lot more that they can explore, which they try to touch on lightly in the later movies. Thank you, Jack Black, for being in part three. That was awesome. Well yeah. No. But, um, yeah
1: it, it, I, think can I don't even think I saw three. It, I watched yeah, it two. Bad. Two was so bad that it was like, yeah, yeah. like I've I've read Michael Lenn's novel. I I've read the book. So I know that two in particular has the majority of what the rest of that first book you know, what the original book had. But Yeah. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, again, it was one of those where they were like, hey, we're going to make the next, you know, never ending story and we're going to use newer technology and yet somehow make the movie look even fucking worse. But um, well, <laughs> You know what it is, is it didn't have any of the style that you got with the original movie. And that's the thing. It right. lost that like that almost album cover like quality of the look of the film to make it a little too polished and like, you know, that's what I want. I wanted to still have that kind of, of style, but just with like today's sensibilities, and, like, you know, like, backdrops in this film are terrible. You know, there was, like, I'm really seeing, like, on maybe it's because it's the newer televisions and whatnot, but, like, one scene you watched is, like, Atreyu was, like, riding off in the distance, and you could clearly see, like, the one bush is just, like, a flat piece of cardboard because it's, like, moving back and forth <laughs> in the background. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm actually going to – and really quick, and then we can close on it, is – you know, and I'm going to steal a, you know, a page from you here, goal and say if you want to update it, this is one that I think you should actually try and turn into a series instead of just a straight-up movie.
1: Yeah, that's
2: ambitious. If only if
1: they'd be movie. willing to give it the proper budget. That so, would yeah. be my only yeah. problem if they went TV series. Not enough money.
2: Yeah, yeah so if it's something that elaborate, you know, it costs a lot of money rather than a film, where you can just dump, you know, a certain amount of money into making one film. Uh, you know, because isn't, uh, isn't there a series coming out, uh, The Dark Crystal? Like, didn't they reboot that into, like, an Netflix oh. series coming out soon? It's
0: supposed to be, but it's in production hell right now. Um, okay. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it
1: since they first talked about that.
0: Yeah, um, this has actually been in, produ- like, production since... um. Fucked it. They've been working on stuff since... T- <laughs> well, 2001 <laughs> was when they were doing some serious shit about bringing it back, yeah. and then that failed, and then they went into the comic book stuff, and it's like, yeah, all, all of it's all up in the air because they were also looking at doing expansions of um, Labyrinth.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, we'll see. I mean, I definitely agree. Uh, we could probably get a new never-ending story Kind of update We'll see what happens You know, I'm sure if there's somebody out there thinking about it You know, Why not, it's a popular property Even to this day people still talk about never-ending story I mean, see it on mm-hmm. Facebook uh, feed all the time Oh, never-ending story, I love that movie So it's a property Oh, I the love it. It. oh yeah, <laughs> they love that, that That one particular one uh, But I wanted to kind of close out with that And to move on to the other trailer I wanted to talk about Which just got released
1: uh, Godzilla. On, I, got I got one more. I got one more. Godzilla, man. Dude, sure, go I ahead. have it. made it like a mission. Um, hey, dog. Cut it out. Leave the cat alone. hope she fucks you <laughs> up. Sorry. Um, there <laughs> is a movie that I've been catching trailers for. Um, it is only playing in select theaters. The, the closest theater that I have to it is an hour away from me. Sure. And that is a film called Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh it yeah, is right. a zombie-based like musical, like straight mm-hmm. up. Like it looks like it's you know similar in theme to stuff like Zombieland and things like yeah. that. Except it is very much a horror movie as well, um, and and a musical. I cannot wait to see this damn thing And it's Christmas themed So it kind of goes with the season as well um, Yeah, again, everything I've heard about this Is it's great, it looks great And I can't wait to see it And I'll be able to, to give a little bit more on it At that point, but yes, let's go Godzilla
2: Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah real quick I'm looking forward to seeing that as well I know that uh, you know my girlfriend Jess Has been talking about that She put it on my page up that long ago, the trailer I was like, alright, British, musical, zombies Okay, I'm in you know, you did not need to tell me anymore. But, yeah, let's talk about Godzilla, King of all Monsters. The trailer uh, for the second trailer, rather, has been released. It shows a little bit more of the action. Uh, a lot of set pieces happening. A lot of battle sequences that I really appreciated. Uh, so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, Monkey, first and foremost, I know that you're a huge Godzilla fan. Uh, what did you think about the second trailer?
0: Uh, yeah, I-, I was excited, man. The fact that they're showing us more of the monsters, um I unfortunately got a little bit of a spoiler from the monsters because while doing research for this I accidentally stumbled across the toy release as well. So mm-hmm. they I saw the toys that are going to be released for this movie um <clears throat> crap. Yeah, they they're going to be done by SH Monster Arts. The okay. toys look the toys look fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's like I I'm definitely I found out they also have a past line of shit, and they've got a kick-ass um, <clears throat> Mega Godzilla from the Millennium series shit. So I'm gonna have to actually buy one of those. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the new trailer like again j- just keeps teasing us and in a good way. And yeah, I'm excited about this, but again, I'm hesitant because we're talking about an American Godzilla yeah. movie. That's the problem. An American Godzilla movie always feel like they have to provide background to their characters and that's not fucking necessary. Japanese Godzilla movies. Sure, they have lots of people talking first, but they're always about the situation that's going on and you know, what they're going to do to stop Godzilla and there's never any background talk You're like we we don't know about their fucking childhoods and shit like that and growing up. We don't need that fucking shit. There's a giant lizard going around kicking ass. What are they going to do to stop it? And Mm -hmm. I just hope they dial this back and give us more action and less background shit on the people. Mm -hmm. All
2: right. So, Ghoul, what did you think about uh, the second show for Godzilla King of All Monsters?
1: Uh, When I saw that the trailer had dropped, um, I actually got an email about it. And uh, yeah, instantaneously went, watched it on my phone, then got home, watched it on the the, the 4K TV, um, high def trailer. uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for this. I'm just wondering, you know, again, like Monkey's saying, you know, the whole idea that, you know, we're obviously going to see a lot of monsters. The trailer shows just monster, 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 monster. Thank you for spoiling the fact that Mecha is in there, bro. You know? No, no, I'm talking uh, about. I'm glad you are talking about certain it. things, but you know no, what? I don't want like fucking movie. toys, so. Hold up. I was talking it's about the toy up. line. No, I was uh, talking about okay. the toy line. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah really
1: um, <laughs> now I know you know, like you're saying, American sensibilities—they need to, you know, give us, you know, story and character and all this and that stuff that you you don't find necessary. Um, I just wonder how much story is actually going to be in this film. Considering it really looks like it's just a straight-up battle royal of monster proportions. It just, like, scene after scene after scene in that trailer is just, this is fucking that up. This creature's attacking here. This is going there. This is blowing up. That's blowing up. Uh, I don't know how they're going to fit story in there and still not have, you know, unless this movie's going to be a three-hour film. Like, how are you going to fit this many monsters in there and actually give each one of these monsters enough screen time and still tell some kind of story?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Because, yeah, they do have a a story in there, you know, about how the Americans are wondering about Godzilla, you know, and uh, we're just going to make them our pet. And, uh, you know, you have the one Japanese guy saying, no. He's going to make us his pet. <laughs> you know, cool kind of line. But I love the, the ending scene in the trailer with Godzilla and King Ghidorah facing off. Like, come at me, bro. Like, come on. Let's do this. Planes flying around in the fucking city. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I just had a nerdgasm place. <laughs> I was like, you know, seeing the King Ghidorah thing really just got to me. Because I was like, yep, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Bring it on. You know, but seeing Mothra and Rodan. You know, finally coming into the picture, seeing a better view of Mothra, who's my favorite kaiju, like I've talked to the monkey many times. Seeing Mothra looking fantastic, I was like, yeah, this movie is probably going to be a close to three-hour epic. It has to be to include all these monsters in the one movie.
0: I don't know, man. Again, Toho was able to do all these in two hours and have lots of monsters in the movies. I mean, yeah. uh you know, fuck, man, Final Wars. You, they were able mm-hmm. to have some story in it and literally have every fucking monster that was ever in a
2: Godzilla movie in, in this one movie.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I, just, I, I can't wait to see how they incorporate all the monsters because I know a lot of the focus is on Godzilla, but then you all have these other monsters, and like the, the monkey had said, you know, I'm excited for it, but again, as we've all agreed, I think we're all hesitant as well because we saw Godzilla from 2014 Didn't really hit the mark as far as a film, because we're waiting for Godzilla, and when we get Godzilla, it's battles in the dark where you can barely see him. Uh, (laughs) On a cloudy night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it it was bad. So I'm kind of hoping that they focus more on Godzilla and these battles that happen in the city rather than waiting until the end of the movie to show Godzilla show up and start battling monsters.
1: I mean, even more so than that, though, I feel like with that film, it was, it was disappointing in that <clears throat> everything with those trailers made it seem like we were going to get more from that military unit yeah. than we ended up getting. Um, yeah. You know, plus plus you, you sit there and I mean I love the fact you know, I always love when they play tricks on you like that. Like you know, your trailers are full full of Brian Cranston. Bryan and then you <laughs> and then you kill that fucker within a couple of minutes. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay, we went there, that was cool. Um <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that uh, the the military unit thing, like you know, I just remember the the poster where you saw those guys dropping mm-hmm. in. There was that trailer showing them with all the smoke yeah. trailing behind them and everything. And for that unit to really be such a small, tiny little part of the film, just seemed like it was just I don't know. I felt like as an American version of Godzilla, that would have been what we would have enjoyed seeing you know i mean it's hard not to say that everything these days that comes out in a post 9-11 world have something to do with 9-11 but when you're dealing with monsters like this and disaster like this you know Mm -hmm. the original godzilla was in response to hiroshima and nagasaki yeah you know so for an american version of it it should kind of represent that same disaster You know, and our response to said disaster. And I feel like the film didn't give us that portion of it. You know, big monster movie. I'm not looking for too much depth, but I do want some intelligence behind it because that's what started it.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think they'll give us that intelligence. Um, But I know, you know, just seeing the depth of King Ghidorah, too, seeing the size of, of King Ghidorah, I was like, all right, that's massive. I liked it. You know, uh you know Godzilla looks badass, so I was like, just you know just give us the proper monster battles that we want,
1: he looked fat. You know,
2: give us the you know, give us what we want, you know, make it a prelude to uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, which is what I'm hoping for, you know kind of have well, to that's what they're the saying it is, yeah, that's what make saying
1: sense. that it's you know the follow up movie is gonna be Godzilla versus Kong, so you and know, I can't I find anything on a runtime for, sure. for it. I'm, I'm trying to find out how long the film is. They don't have that on the uh, on the wiki page for it or anything. So it's got to well, be Well, like I would two imagine it's going to be man. close to three hours,
2: at least like yeah. two hours and a half or something like that. But um, obviously, the prelude to Godzilla versus King Kong. So I'm sure we're going to get a teaser, uh, post credit wise, with a Marvel film you know, of King Kong showing up at some point. At least I hope so. I think that'll be a great way to kind of end it.
1: Well, it might not be Kong. It might be um, Sam Jackson,
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once
1: again,
2: <laughs> not scary, theory, but still, Sam Jackson showing up. You know, I've seen some shit. It's coming, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would, I would appreciate that too. Um, but, yeah, because I'm excited for it. But, again, like I said, trepidation is always the key with seeing these movies, you know, going yeah. in too excited and being disappointed. But I think with all these monsters, how could you not be disappointed by this movie? Like, you know, it's one of those things. There's going to be something in see us. I just hope, we, see him. I just hope we can actually see them. Yeah, let's, let's see some uh, – not so much at night battles. I know that the one battle they showed of King Ghidorah and Godzilla was in the dark. I'm like, oh, no. They're having another night battle. I was <laughs> like, you know, can they fight during the day? You know, can they just have one during the day? So
1: get to see? <laughs> you know, well,
2: you actually get to see – Well, I
1: mean – not to get into like hyperrealism here or anything, but you know it might not also just be that it's a night thing. When you're dealing with creatures of this size and mm-hmm. the amount of destruction from the smoke and from from everything else going on, you got to wonder how much of that is darkening the skies.
2: That's true too. Ah. You know? I mean that is a, a good point to bring up. You know how much destruction that's caused, causing the darkness. That's uh, a good point. I just, you know, like I said, I just want to see more of the action than what we got in Godzilla, you know, and seeing these creatures as what they are. You know, hopefully they're not all shrouded in shadow and smoke and darkness. You know, let's get a good view of these monsters.
1: That's what we've been waiting for. So, uh, but, know, yeah, but, but i, I just. The, yeah. This way we can complain about how CGI they look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it looks like shit. Where do you go? It guys? doesn't you look real.
2: They don't look real enough for me (laughs) But You know it's one of those things We're going to have to go to the theater and and see it And and make our judgment then But that trailer for what it was worth Definitely satisfied me To the point where I'm like I can't wait for this now Like the first one was good Second one much better To show these battles taking place You know so I hope that people You know really excited for it
1: so, well, again, with them connecting Skull Island to it and everything, I think, you know, if you, if you watch Skull Island, you see
2: that, you know, I don't want to
1: say obviously that they corrected, you know, a lot of their mistakes, but, you know, they did a lot of things differently with that film that felt, uh, it made it a lot more fun. It made it, you know, overall, just, just a, a better monster movie. Um, I liked Skull mm. Island, so uh, I'm really excited to yeah. see them connecting Godzilla to to King Kong. With that, I'm looking forward to Godzilla and a bunch of other monsters beating up people. I like the the cast that they're bringing in. I know they've got uh, Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown coming in, um, Eleven from from, from uh, what do you call Stranger yeah. Things, and yeah. Charles Dance is in there. You know, Brother Noomspa himself, uh, otherwise known as Tywin Wilaster. Tywin okay. Lannister these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, it should be a, a, a fun film.
2: It should be, and that's what we're all looking for. Um, the giant monsters
1: really, uh, fucking each other up. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're there for.
2: We want to see monster battles, kaiju battles, and that's what we're there for. Um, so, I don't really have a good segue to go into the movie going up a Godzilla. It's kind of hard. Try to think about it, couldn't do it. Uh, so, I just want to get into the fan pick of tonight from T.A. Radke, like we had said earlier, is the 2000s American Psycho, directed by Mary Herron. Uh, the film centers on Patrick Bateman, who was the vice president of Pearson Pierce, Pierce on Wall Street. By day, he's successful, loves his morning rituals, but by night, he becomes an American Psycho, killing any woman that crosses his path. Uh, like I said, this is a fan pick. So thank you. Bombs on the to street, <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, so it, it is a fan pick So thank you once again For the pick uh, It was a movie that I was looking forward to talking about Once again on the show So it seemed appropriate uh, Especially in the environment we're living in Because I feel like this is a movie that Donald Trump Probably thinks is a documentary And beats off to it probably every night Thinking that it's a documentary featuring Batman and the Joker We'll get into it But um, <laughs> It, it's a good one
1: uh, A lot of things a fantastic to this biopic About me yes.
2: It's so amazing <laughs> Melania, did you see this documentary It's called American Psycho, Patrick Bateman He played Batman one time It's amazing, we need to watch this tonight Before we build that wall I know, we're going to watch it, Donald We're going to watch it, it's fine He's <laughs> got all two <watch> though <laughs> but, So yeah, uh, a lot to unpack with this one So I'm going to cut it to Google. What did you think about American Psycho?
1: It's American Psycho, man. You know, this is one of those funny movies with me where I've only seen it a handful of times. And almost every single time I go into watching this film, I'm always resistant. I'm always like, eh, you know, I don't really like it all that much. I don't find it all that entertaining. And then as I'm like halfway through the film, I'm always like, wow, you know, I always forget how much I actually do like this movie. Um it's a, it's a fun film, you know, and, uh, it's, yeah, Christian Bale is, it has some great moments in it. Uh, you know, some of the other actors and actresses in it have some, some fun moments in it. It's not the, uh, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, you know, again, it, it does what it sets out to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Monkey. I know you were excited about this one. what do you think about American second?
0: I, I am. All right. Um, I've only seen this movie three times now, because this will be my third time. The first two times I watched it, you know, breezed right through it. It just enjoyed the ride. Had a great time just watching it and in the, the insanity that ensues that we will be covering shortly. Um, this third time, I was going around analyzing it this time because we, we got to talk about this shit because we're professionals. Um, but... but Again, I find that I'm still enjoying it every time I watch it. And even as I'm watching it and analyzing it this time, I'm still having a great time. And for any of you listening at home, if you have not seen American Psycho, just go buy a copy. Seriously. (laughs) You will be happy. You bought it. It's a fun, fun movie that's out there. It's unique. It's different. And it's just a fun ride. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, then, you know, yeah, just, just buy it. (laughs) <laughs> Mad
1: Monkey says, "Currently Tar- <laughs> on Amazon Prime for those. If you don't want to go out and buy it, but you do have Amazon Prime." Talking terror, not brought to you by Amazon Prime. No, not at all. <laughs> but
2: we'd love to. Amazon Prime if you're out there listening. You know, Jeff Bezos. Uh, we'd love to be sponsored by you. But yeah, so throwing it out there. Um, but the yeah, uh, monkey. Before we get into the movie, as the a, as a meat, as it were, <laughs> American Psycho. There was uh, something that you brought up to me about the original casting uh, and directing of the film that I wanted to talk about as a trivia point.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it, um, it was originally going to be the Mary Heron, the director, and it was still going to be Christian Bale. That was the original casting. Then some stuff went on, and they both got bumped off to the back because they wanted bigger names behind this movie, and they then they wanted to Um, Let's see here Then they tried to hit up David Cronenberg Actually And that fell through because He didn't want to shoot in any restaurants Or clubs And he wanted to keep the Script to only 70 pages Because he said it takes him Two to three days to shoot a page But then on top of that It finally fell through when everyone Found out that he wanted to end the movie With a musical number on top of the World Trade
2: Center what Mm-mm. okay no nope.
0: yeah after that <laughs> after he, he, that fell through then that would have been, been fucking
1: weird it. especially considering <laughs> what happened a year later you know man wow yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. um but but then they wanted to tap Leonardo DiCaprio to play Patrick Bateman and this was uh like right right after Titanic i want to say and then yeah. when they got Leonardo DiCaprio then all of a sudden Oliver Stone jumpstead and goes, well, I want to do this movie, then if Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be in it. So then, Christian Bale and, and Mary Heron mm-hmm. got bumped off because the, the movie studio was like, okay, you want to do this short? So, for a year, the movie was kind of in limbo because they were trying to figure things out. The studio was starting to second-guess themselves because they weren't sure if they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play this role. They, didn't, you know, they started to think maybe he's definitely too boyish and couldn't pull off, you know, the power suit on Wall Street. But for a year, um, Christian Bale kept calling up the director, director, Mary Herron, every week going, well, what do you want to do in this scene? What do you want to do in that scene? How do you want to shoot this? Every week he would call her and she would be like, we got kicked off the movie. Would you please stop calling me? (laughs) But he would keep calling every week. And then after a year, they finally decided to go back to the original director and Christian Bale, and she called him up and was like, hey, we're back on. And he was like, see, I told you it was our movie. Now how do you want to shoot this fucking scene? <laughs> yeah.
2: Which is great, because uh, I, I can't imagine anybody but Christian Bale in that role, which also is something that the ghoul and I had talked about as far as him playing Bruce Wayne and Batman, because it is such a great kind of, of difference. You know, seeing him playing – Uh, Patrick Bateman versus Bruce Wayne where you could totally see the two correlating with each other.
0: Oh yeah, he knows an
2: awesome Bruce Wayne. I I love him for his Bruce Wayne. Um, But one of the main things I wanted to kind of talk about uh, with this movie uh, and I wanted to get uh, the ghouls' perspective on this is identity. And I think uh, the main kind of core of this movie is identity crisis. Because you're in 1987, you're in Wall Street, Patrick Bateman's at 27 something, you know, on Wall Street as a vice president of Pierce and Pierce, but he's just another guy that looks exactly like another guy. You know, there's no sense of identity where somebody looks different from one another. They all wear the same kind of expensive suits, uh, eyeglasses, they have different cards. But I think to me, that was the most important kind of plot of this movie is that it's identity. Um, Everybody's kind of the same. There's nobody that stands out in the crowd. Everybody's just you know, rich and living a good lifestyle and working out, looking good, going to nightclubs. So I wanted to get your perspective on
1: that. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously one of the the big purveying things here is not just identity, but a society looking to be more than the person That is next to you, you know, like coveting different people, coveting different things, wanting this, wanting that. Um, You know, so uh, all of that is in there. I mean, this is, you know, this is based on a book of the same name, Um, I've never gotten around to reading the book. Uh, Every time I watch the movie, I always say to myself, "Oh, I I gotta finally go around to reading the book because I'm sure it'll give me a a lot more into the Bateman character, um, as far as his overall thought process and and everything." Because I know it is uh, narrated from the the first person, with going out of that a couple of times uh, in the movie, in uh, in the story itself, but. but yeah, I mean, definitely, it's 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 a world in which you know we're not familiar with because it just doesn't exist anymore. This New York, um, you know, is 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 a lot different than that. You know, Rudy Giuliani made made sure of that. We're not talking about the same New York as Maniac with fucking porn shops left and right and <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, you know my New York now, <laughs> it's, <laughs> de- it's York. definitely uh, a, a portion of New York that, you know, it just doesn't seem to be there, uh, or if it is, it's definitely not something that we're, our, our types are privy to.
2: Yeah, because uh, cutting to you, Monkey, because I wanted to get your perspective on it, because Patrick Bateman in the film does have that monologue that he's giving you about how Patrick Bateman is an idea. <laughs> it's not really a person. You know, you could shake my hand. You could say hello to me, but I'm not really there. So, again, it leads to the identity crisis of the film. So I wanted to get your perspective on that.
0: Yeah, but um, we have the constant struggle of, like the ghoul said, of him coveting everything that else that's everyone else is. You know, he wants it, and we have that moment where he's doing all this stuff. He's wearing the suits. He's, you know, listening to the music. He's going to the right restaurant. And he's doing it just to fit in. Mm -hmm. That's it. He just wants to become another face in the crowd. And, you know, this becomes important later because as the story progresses, we find out that for all his work that he's doing of blending in, he does exactly that and just does become just another face in the crowd to the point where, Mm -hmm. you know, only his closest friends actually know who he is. His his coworkers don't even know who the fuck he is. You know, he's just another yeah. face at the
1: office. <clears throat> exactly, and,
2: and and that was the I use the word
1: friends sparingly. There, yeah, I mean, I think sparingly. everybody in this yeah. world is just, you know, they're all kind of just coworkers. You know, I think any one of them would easily mistake you know the other for somebody else because they barely pay attention to each other. Everybody, this entire film is about you know humanity's absorption with themselves, you know, everybody is just self-grandizing themselves in this. Um, Nobody Mm -hmm. in this movie is ever doing anything for anybody else.
2: Exactly. And uh, the one thing I didn't like, uh, you know, when you get your intro of Patrick Bateman is his morning routine, you know, how he has a very strict regimen of how he gets ready in the morning with the ice pack, with putting on the lotion, how he only uses a certain type of aftershave with very little alcohol because it could wrinkle the skin, <laughs> um, you know, to putting on the face mask. But what I liked about that scene is that when he's standing in the mirror and he's peeling off the face mask, it's kind of like he's peeling away a person of himself, you know, kind of like he's peeling away what he is underneath. And I thought that was kind of like maybe it wasn't intentional, but that's kind of way I took it when he's peeling away that, that mint face mask. Like he's peeling away what he thinks he should be. I I absolutely took it that way. His,
0: he's peeling away anything, any bits and pieces that are actual personal to him, just so he can go out and become this bland character that he, for some reason, feels he has to become. Also, I really enjoy the morning routine because for me, it was also um, setting up later that he's willing to strive and go through trials and tribulations you know, of insane amounts to achieve what he considers perfection.
2: And I think that's what uh, Patrick Bateman's all about, is achieving perfection. Um, and I think he wants to achieve being able to not be noticed, to kind of be able to drift in and out and not be seen by anybody. Like he could just you know, blend into any environment. Whether it's a club, whether it's a party, whether it's at work, I think he likes that. I think he likes the fact that he can do that. You know, rather than trying to stand out, I think he wants to have that appearance of, I could just be wherever I want to be and nobody's going to know I'm here.
1: And see, I I take the character in a completely different way for that. I take the fact that he's committing these murders and he's doing these things that he's doing because he wants to be different from everybody else. He just doesn't have the ability to do so. You know, Mm -hmm. the the fact that he blends in the way he does is what actually makes him effective as far as being a killer because it. He's nondescript, you know, you you could be any one of a thousand of these people, but as much as he's enjoying the killing, I don't think it's done for any other reason besides just power and the fact that he is, as as we see in the title, he is psychotic, you know, he's got Mm. mental illness.
2: It, yeah, and mm-hmm. I think a large part of it is also because he can get away with it. Because um, there is that one scene um, after he has his dinner date at a spa where he's just very relaxed because they have a seat and he's just very concerned with reservation. Um, he meets that woman at the crosswalk, you know, and she gives him a look and, you know, he gives her a look and he says hello to her. And then they walk together to the next crosswalk and the next scene is him at the laundromat with uh, sheets that are covered in blood. And he's trying to get these Chinese workers behind the counter to wash out the blood. And he's just yelling at them, bitchy, bitchy, bitchy. You know, and if you don't clean, them, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, you know, yelling at them and screaming until the woman that he knows comes into the place and goes, oh, what's going on? He's like, oh, no, I just spilled some cranberry juice, cranapple. Like, you know, trying to play it off so well. It was a great little scene because it's not some victim that you get to see, but you know what happened to she would just fell into his trap and he killed her. oh yeah
0: well that's that's also one of those ones where it's like you know I I didn't catch that the very first time I watched it you know because very first time I watched it I watched it blind without any trailers I had no idea what I was getting ready to watch Um, so I really had no idea what had happened but then yeah after the second time I watched it I was like oh yeah okay (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: right. making up the excuses of the woman, you know. Yeah, no, I got to go, got to go. Yeah, I got a, a, a matinee at it can't make it. What are you doing next Saturday? Nothing? Well, I'm busy, <laughs> you know, trying to get out of it, you know. It was great. No, and I, I, I love that he's got this huge
0: ego on top of that about how he has to be here and there, you know, because while, while fitting in, it's like he still has to be part of that scene.
2: He does, you know, and he has to, to make up appearances. You know, he has to live up to, to who he is. Um, and that was the one thing I liked about the, the boardroom sequence with all his quote unquote, friends, like he had said, <laughs> using it kind of sparingly with the business cards. And I don't know if you guys caught that, but when they unsheath their, uh, their card holders, it sounds like swords being unsheathed. And
0: that was mm-hmm, yeah.
2: kind of like a dick measuring contest.
0: It's it is a dick measuring
2: contest. <laughs> you know, just got these back from the printer. Yep, that's a bone with silly and font. You know, let's see your card. You know, I mean, it just you know, who's got the bigger dick? Um, you know, and go. What do you think about that scene with the whole you know cards?
1: Uh, it's one of the classic scenes from this movie. You know, everything about the just the description of the card, like how much. They go into the detail mm-hmm. of, you know, what that particular card is made of, what the font is. It's funny. I, You know, I almost wish we were able to get your brother on the air with oh, us tonight God, yeah. because I wonder <laughs> yeah. how much of this is his world that he yeah. works within. Um, he just he feels like the kind of person that would really get along with the characters in this movie. <laughs> Sorry, I Maddie. do wonder well, that. He never yeah, listens. It's not like know. he's listening. So. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> um, I mean,
2: he's not listening to our show. But, yeah, I do wonder that. He's a prototype. But, of uh,
1: But, yeah, I think it's just this scene also has the importance of showing you that all of these people – all have the exact same yes. job here at this <laughs> company. They're all vice presidents. At no point in this movie do you ever see what the fuck it is that any of them do. You know nope. they they work in mergers and acquisitions, which, you know, if any of us have ever seen Pretty Woman, you know, it's basically <laughs> a company that, that buys, you know, companies that are failing and then tends to, to dismantle them and, and yeah. make a profit off of it that way. Um but we never see what his job is, you know, and another line that gets dropped from his uh girlfriend slash fiance, uh, whoever Reese Witherspoon Evelyn, is yeah. in this movie, um, Evelyn, yeah. yes. Um she says your father basically owns the company to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, we we also know through that line that Bateman has got, you know, obviously some nepotism going on here.
2: Yeah, that's what we haven't talked about yet. Because Evelyn is a great character because she is kind of encapsulating 1980s yuppie culture where she just cares about going out to expensive places to eat, she wants to have this wedding taken care of, and Patrick just isn't there. Like, he's just, without emotion, he knows that Timothy Bryce is fucking her, but he doesn't care. He's like, you know what? I'm fucking somebody else, too. It's all good. <laughs> <He knows. laughs> and she's I'm right across to the table. table. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just because I have to have this relationship. And that's why I, I like at the Christmas party when he's standing there, and she's like, where have you been, Patrick? I've been looking for you. He goes, I've been here the entire time. Like, you just haven't seen me. Again, it leads to that whole chameleon aspect where he just he's there the entire time and she never noticed him. Like she never bothered to look to see where he was. You know, I like that drop line from him of of that. You know, which went to to the whole credence of his character.
1: Well that's again he playing could... with her pot belly pig. exactly and you know it also doesn't necessarily mean that he really was there you know what I mean there could have been a thousand other things that he was doing nobody is honest with anybody in this film and again everything is all about themselves so Mm -hmm. she's only important to her and he's only important right. to him everything's about what he wants thing. what he's doing you know and yeah in her case it's it's a status issue in his case it's, yeah. you know making money being successful being the best out of all of the guys that are all there all doing the same job you know so mm-hmm. you know again it's, it's one of the things that makes this film so interesting and hard to watch at the same time because like I said I, I, it makes you really want to read the book because I just feel like you get more out of it, it. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would definitely recommend the book I read it years ago uh, It goes a little bit more into detail With certain aspects of the movie that we're going to talk about But yeah, it's definitely worth a read Because he, does, he definitely gets a lot more sadistic In the book with his torture of women Which is like, oh, god, Patrick Bateman Did this in the book? Yeah, they can't do this in a movie um, mm-hmm. But um, Talking again about Jared Leto uh, Prior to 2000 The only thing I knew him from Was my so-called life playing Jordan mm-hmm. Catalano. So I knew nothing of, of Jez Leto as an actor. But I thought he was fantastic as Paul Allen, mistaking Patrick for Marcus Alberstrom when they go into the board meeting, completely just thinking that he's a separate guy. Oh, yeah, how's Cecilia doing? Oh, she's fine. Like He's playing along with that with, uh, <laughs> But at the same time, he's jealous that Paul has the better card. He has a watermark, God damn it. <laughs> you know, Patrick you're like,
1: you know, you know just, He's I also got it. the account though That you know obviously everybody's Coveting um, you know, It's, it's a, a big money account Paul is You know higher Up on the chain than yep. than Patrick yep. Bateman is, and that's that's what he wants. You know, we see it when he goes to his place. You know, it's a nicer place than his. You know, it's got a better yeah. view than his. And it's not like it's not like Patrick Bateman isn't. You know, what we would consider successful. I mean, the guy but, is obviously making money. He's got expensive stuff. You know, you look at all of the the clothes and his and his apartment and. You know his collection of albums,
2: um, (laughs) which
1: is its its own little little funny thing that's in there as an aside. (laughs) He's
2: well off, you know, in in our eyes anyway. He's well off, but he could always do better, and that's what you know. Patrick is always thinking about is that he could always be well off, even in a better way than Paul Allen. Um, And I like the fact that he takes him to Texarkana, which is this weird like Tex-Mex place. And he's like, is that that Ivana Trump over there? He's like, yeah, I don't think she'd go to a place like (laughs) Texarkana. Because you know that at this point, Patrick has ulterior motives for why he invited Paul to this restaurant. He's going to get him fucked up and he's going to invite him back to his place where he has the news all over the floor for one of, I think, in my mind anyway, I don't know what you guys think, I think this is one of the most memorable scenes in horror films is Whoa, the yeah. captivating scene with Paul Allen and hit to be a square <laughs> by doing Lewis <laughs> in the news. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is one of those scenes in which, yeah, you see this, you don't forget it, you know, him dancing around the apartment, him with that, that delivery of his lines, and then yeah, that, that ultimate uh, getting over to him and just burying that fucking axe in his head. Now, I don't know about you guys. I did not watch the... Uh, I know there's an unrated version of the film. Which, That's the one I have, I yeah. believe, which literally only adds 17 seconds to the whole movie. Um, it it's actually so much, like, yeah. the only... Di- it's The only difference in that scene is actually this scene's framework when it's done. Um, the frame, the scene is cut out a little bit further and you see the blood coming out of Paul Moore, and, yeah, and that's really literally. the only difference. I don't, I don't think it really adds to the effect at all, so it's, I, I think it's still a, a very effective scene.
2: It does, and it, it's still fun. You know, the fact that he, he takes the pills in the bathroom, he puts the rain slicker on, and then he just starts kind of snapping his fingers, and he's dancing around the who's in the news, while Paul Allen has no idea what's going on behind him. You know, mm-hmm. and he has that pristine axe. That's like, you know, just bought it, you know, because it's, it's shining it's so fucking bright. Fucking
1: you know, slow, and he's dancing man. around the
2: X. He's like, hey, Paul! Just fucking buries it into his fucking body. Uh, just the the after effect, though, when he sits down and he takes off the fucking rain sucker and just lights up that cigar. That was perfect. I, I mean, I don't know. Monkey, you know, what are your thoughts on the Paul Allen murder sequence?
0: Like the ghoul said, it's like when the first time you see this movie, it's going to burn into your head
2: for, for the rest of your life.
0: Um, It's an awesome movie it's, I like that they bring you into <clears throat>
1: um,
0: You know, the gruesomeness of this movie With a, a bit of fun You know, I don't know if anyone is not going to laugh their ass off When they watch this movie um. But also, you know uh, You know, it was throwing me off While watching this particular scene Just because the entire time that he's Doing this scene It's like he's walking around And he's talking very much like Jim Carrey you know, and, and Ace Venture, okay. which, uh, just with the way he's acting and the way he's talking, and you said last night that that was probably, you know, your take was because he was nervous because he had this all planned out and was getting ready to do it, and he had to psych himself up to actually commit to doing this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and maybe that's why, in this particular scene, he acts in a way that he doesn't act at all throughout the entire movie.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think it was just a, a bit of excitement and a little bit of nervousness, knowing that he finally has his target in sight, and he's going to take care of it. Yeah, Good. no, I
1: think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's that he's at that point of you know achieving that goal. So there is that giddiness, that excitement. You know, you know you're about you, you've worked so hard to get to this point. But I think it's also, you know, just showing, you know, just like everything else, as we see throughout this film, he's he becomes more and more unhinged as he is getting deeper and deeper into doing this. You know, now we know something went down with that woman or we assume something went down with that woman that he met on the street, but we don't know what it was. You know, we know he's got a lot of blood on a sheet but that doesn't tell us what happened in that scene. Um maybe it, uh, maybe so, uh, showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, obviously it could be more than that, but we do know that <laughs> with the other women that we're going to see him with later, he doesn't always kill. Sometimes it's just more about what? the sadomasochism and the torture and, you know, beating them up and cutting them up a little bit. Um so, there are things that, you know, again, and that's where I think like this movie and the book are, are, are going to be so much different in which you're going to get a little bit more of that portion of Patrick Bateman that I don't think you get enough of the movie, which I think is him. And I think obviously as we see with his – how ineffective he is in relationships with women, uh, Samantha Mathis, Evelyn right. – mm. um you know, it's it's cold. It's unattached. There's nothing involved with it. I think his aggression and his anger and everything gets put out on these prostitutes that he is mm. is getting with, or possibly getting with, um, as you know, as we'll find out later.
2: Yeah, and that's the the one thing I do want to talk about too is that you have the scene with the prostitutes where he gets the one prostitute in the street. Uh, he says your name is Christy, and we're gonna go here. I got a lot of money. We're gonna go back to my, you know, my room, my apartment, and you're gonna bathe because I want to see your vagina when you clean it, <laughs> you know.
1: And get on your hands and it. knees.
2: Yeah, so I could see it. <laughs>
1: you know? And he gets
2: the other one over, and he wants a blonde. And once she comes over, she's not quite blonde, so he's like, yeah, I kind of asked for blonde, but I guess he'll <laughs> you know.
1: It's more, more like dirty blonde. You know, I've been yeah. there before, man. You know, and and yeah. I, I, I've never listened. I've never had any uh, shame in some of the things that I've gone through 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 my life. Some of the things that I've done, I might not always be proud of them, but you know what? By damn, I did them. Um, you know, there's so many times that, you know, like, you go and, like, there There was a portion of time where hitting up, like, an escort service was just real easy to do. We would do it on the road, you know, like mm. like how these guys are with their business. This is how we yeah. were while working, you know, on the road every day, going from call to call. We'd hit our lunch breaks, and we'd be like, all right, you know what, bam, you open up the Asbury Park Press, and, you know, they, they had fucking, like, lunchtime specials. Down in like the Tom's <laughs> River area, where you know you only paid X amount of money, it was like a twenty-minute bang bang, and you were out, man. But like you know, you you get the description when you call, and you talk to whoever it is that you talk to, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, we've got a you know we got a a twenty-four-year-old, and you know we've got like a twenty-seven-year-old or whatever, and this one's blonde, and this one's this, you know." Meanwhile, though, you get there, neither one of them is blonde, and I swear, man, there was one place that the the lady that they had sworn was like thirty. Had to be closer to like fifty. Um, but you know what? When you're there, it's not like you're gonna turn around and be like, you know what? Eh, I ain't gonna fuck you. You kind of just bite the bullet, you deal with it, and and you you get the fuck out, man.
2: Yeah. And and with this, <laughs> there was, you know, with... there was
1: one time, man. I do have to say, there was one time <laughs> I went, and there were the two <laughs> chicks in the room. And they were both fucking hideous, like ugly, ugly, to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm leaving. And instead, they gave me a two for one deal, so I ended up bagging them both just so they could make that fucking money. And that's the only reason they got, you know, that's the only reason why I did anything was because it was like, you know, it turned into a threesome.
2: That's <laughs> that <laughs> But yeah, you know, but with Patrick, you know, it's he invites them both over, and it's more about the music talking about Phil Collins and how Genesis really evolved with the Duke album, you know, and then you get to the fucking scene; he's videotaping it, but he's posing in the mirror the entire time, you know, <laughs> flexing his muscles, pointing his finger at himself. Like, yeah, man, you know, like, it's just, you know, he was in his element, you know, banging these two girls, having a good time. But it was afterwards, you know, when the uh, Christie prostitute knocks into his uh, watch and he's like, don't fucking touch the watch. <laughs> you like know, mm-hmm. They want to both leave Because we're not done yet And he breaks up the fucking hangar And the next time you see them Christy's got a bloody nose uh, Sabrina Scratches the other on the back. back You know so he did some shit But he didn't kill him He could have but he did Like He let him go He just did a lot of fucking damage So it shows you uh, that uh, he does have A, a motive <laughs> of control But, yeah, but does oh, that stop her
1: from coming back well, absolutely not. Obviously, for the the right pay. Um, you know, I love the I love the posing scene. You know, it's it's got some of the greatest fucking memes out there. You know, it's just you know it's just so much fun. And I'd be completely, completely lying. If I was to say that I had never pulled any of that before, I've done it. You know, I, yeah, I even let the cool girl know, like, you know, like that's something I've done. Well, it's like she didn't even know. You know, like, when it's one of those where you're, you're behind your partner and it's just, again, like me being the sick fuck that I am, I'm just sitting there and I'm doing my business and then I'm like, you know what? This is just like that scene in American Psycho. So I might point at the mirror or I might. It flex my muscles a little bit Because I'm feeling like a fucking porn star Stud at the moment, man mm. But
2: um, We also have a character that I want to talk about uh, Detective Kimball Played by Willem Dafoe uh, Green Goblin, we've talked about him You know, he was also an antichrist another the movie we talked about um, This is something As we get into like, you know, the finale of the movie and We're not going to talk about it just yet But is Detective Kimball a real person? Or is this somebody that Patrick made up in his own mind in terms of the movie as far as being investigated about Paul Allen's disappearance? Because he does seem kind of dedicated in talking just to Patrick about Paul Allen's disappearance.
0: But the secretary has seen him. She's talked to him.
2: Yeah, but again, yeah. did you know he imagined that too?
0: No, because again in the scene is uh, when she's at his apartment, she reminds him that he had an appointment with him for
2: lunch. So good point, good point. And yeah, cool.
1: I think the movie, and, you know, like this is one of those where, you know, we're coming at a time where Fight Club, The Matrix, there were all yeah, these movies yep. coming out that all had these alternative views of what is real and what's not real. And I feel like this film maybe as a result of those movies kind of like plays into that a little bit. And I don't know if it mm. was meant to, you know, I, again, this is where like, cause I didn't read the book. I don't know if it gets played with in the book as to whether or not anything that's going on is real or if it's just tied into a bigger Illuminati like conspiracy type of what? deal. Um You know, I believe that the detective is real, but then again, you know, if the guy isn't really missing, then why would the detective be real?
2: Because he does have the the Huey Wilson News 4 album, which is the one he was listening to when he killed Paul Allen. I was like, that's kind of convenient that he just happened to buy that CD and he goes, have you listened to it? He goes, no, I don't like anything with vocals. (laughs) You know, (laughs) kind of trying to back off the fact that he had that album. So it's like, yeah, it's a little weird for this detective to kind of show him that because why would he know that Patrick would even listen to that? You know, that type of an album.
0: Yeah, but at the time, that was the big CD that was out. You know, everyone was fucking listening to fucking Huey Lewis. You know, wow. <laughs> well, that was also well, what yeah. he had
1: played, though, in the apartment. During the murder. So yeah. it might have also been a matter of the detective doing detective work, seeing that that album was still in there, and therefore in his realm of questioning, you know, using that as a piece of evidence.
2: Mm. And speaking of Gene, his secretary, when they had that scene of Gene in his apartment, you know where she's eating the ice cream. It's planning on being a date to Dorcia, even though he has no plans of taking her to Dorcia. Do you, you know, think that he was planning on killing her that night, or was it something that he wanted to do but then kind of rethought about it? And maybe he shouldn't do this.
1: Oh, I think absolutely he was planning on killing her. Um, yeah, I think this was him stepping up towards kill. Because again, up until this point. You know, he killed Paul Allen, you know, who he really, he knew but wasn't connected to. The majority of the things he was doing were to people that he didn't have associations with. So graduating it up to somebody that he did have a personal association with would be the next logical step. But we can see that he was having a struggle with it, Um, you know, trying to figure out how to do it and then, you know, getting interrupted, essentially, you know, I, I don't know if he was going to bang her before killing her or if he was just going to straight-up kill her. Uh, I think it could have went either way. And, you know, you can read through the dialogue the meanings behind, you know, behind it. You can go either way with that. Um, you know, I think if you stay here, you know, I'm going to hurt you. Uh, you know, that that's one of those where it could be read in many ways. You know, he, he could hurt her emotionally because, you know, he's... Still with Evelyn, you know, and things aren't aren't done, and she's, you know, says as much that you know, like she's always getting into relationships that are, you know, not not healthy, but at the same time, she's still willing to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah. What do you think, Monkey?
1: No, I
0: I agree with the goal because I also took it as. He's looking at these things. He's, you know, eyeing up a weapon here. He's eyeing up some duct tape there. You know, I also took it as, you know, he's still very new to this, but he's still very, very excited, and he has all these new toys. And, you know, (laughs) he, he wants to play. You know, but yeah. he's got got all these new toys. So it's like, do I use the do I use the brand new kick-ass huge motherfucking nail gun? You know, so what do I do? You know, and he's just eyeing it up. You know, he's just having a good time, like j- just figuring out what toys would do what. And he's running it through his head. You know, because I'm also taking this as, you know, also as almost like an artist that's trying to figure out how do they want to paint the canvas next?
2: What tools yeah. do they want to use? It's a great point to bring up. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, I'd like to think that he had that purpose of killing her, but it was just that hesitation that he had with the nail gun pointing at her head, and then you have the voicemail from Evelyn, you know, where he's like, "Oh fuck. You know, I just told her that I don't know about my relationship, but it's pretty much there, you know, so you better just go. And like the had said, when he says, I don't want to hurt you. So you can take that as emotionally or physically. He just, he wanted her to leave. Like, you know, just go yeah. and that's it. We'll, we'll deal with it later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Evelyn totally cock him on that. <laughs> with the phone call. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course, because that's what she does. I got. hate when and that I mean, happens. Right? Enjoy doing it. Um, but I do like the other sequence that we have of him inviting his friend, uh, I believe it was Elizabeth who, in, interesting if you guys didn't know this, is Guinevere Turner, who actually co-wrote the script with Mary uh, Heron. She's playing the role oh. of Elizabeth in this scene. Okay, uh, playing, I did not know that. Yeah, playing the acquaintance of Patrick Bateman, and he invites Christy back to the place, and we forgot to mention that is that he told Christy his name is Paul Allen, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. an alibi for him, in case she goes to the cops, and she's like, yeah, this fucking guy just, you know, did a bunch of shit to me, I need surgery. Paul
1: Allen did it, not Patrick Bacon. So he and they're all Oh, go ahead, Gould.
2: Mm-hmm. No, go ahead, Monkey. Well, I was going to say, and not only
0: is his name Paul Allen, they are now at Paul Allen's apartment. Yes. Yep. In this, in
2: and this it, also, and mm-hmm. it also and it
1: also lends towards him coveting who Paul Allen was by him yes. becoming paul allen in a way you know in, in his own mind this is him then becoming that person
2: it is you know and it's a different scene um where he puts the drugs into the line so that they drink it you know rupees whatever it is so they can you know get more with him um elizabeth is saying i don't want to get with women i don't like it but then again as soon as she drinks that wine she's making out with Christie and getting herself up while he's talking about whitney houston and her four yeah, got a slamming body on her, man. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Elizabeth
0: had a great body.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it led to yet another threesome for Patrick. But in this time, he's going full on cannibalism of biting Elizabeth underneath the sheets to Christie's <laughs> shock. And it was so great because he, he bites her and then he pulls back the sheets and his face is covered in blood. Fully naked, wearing tennis shoes, chasing after Christie. And she kicks him in the face He goes, Not the fucking face!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't know why she was
2: all upset. He was
0: just eating her out, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't mm-hmm.
2: But it also, well, also to... had. Yeah. Go ahead, Jewel. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, you also had the scene earlier, though, before this, when he goes to pick up Christy, uh, mm-hmm. where she's talking about that she required surgery from their yep. last time or that she might need surgery, that she had to go to the hospital um, yep. just to, again, lend more towards, you know, the, the amount of depravity. Like, you know, I don't feel like oh, that no. one time that we saw him with Christy and the other girl was the only time he's been with Christy. I think there were other times that we just, we don't ever get to see. That's mm. a good point. I did not think of
2: that, but it also leads to something else I was going to talk about is If this is really happening, because when he kills off Elizabeth, he chases after Christy, who runs through the apartment, seeing all these dead bodies. You have the one room with die, yuppie scum on the wall with all these fucking female dead bodies. And then he chases after her with a fucking chainsaw, butt-ass naked through this apartment building. And she's banging on all these doors and nobody's answering. You're going to tell me that nobody was like, "Holy shit! I heard a fucking chainsaw and a girl screaming." You know, nobody answered. It was. Does this not, really happen? Not it's in all, Not happening. in New York. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you still would think that somebody would be like, "Yeah, there's some shit going down. I'm going to call the cops." You know, not opening my door, but I'm still going to call the cops.
1: Well, well about the, very the the cops do eventually too. come.
2: Well, they do. You know, but it makes you wonder if this is all in Patrick's mind, you know, this particular scene, especially when he drops a chainsaw through the stairwell, and it hits her right in the back, and he just goes, ah, ah, and just screams, <laughs> <covered in blood. laughs> So awesome, but I think I'm like, yeah, is this something he imagined, or is it real? You know, because it, it's such a great yeah. question to ask, you know, this it's no, and- actually something that happens.
0: And I can totally give you that. Where yeah, running through the hallway naked, you know, with a chainsaw, no one's hearing it, no one's responding. Yeah, you know, I can give you that. That okay. Now we're starting to get into where shit's a little bit weird, and you know, we're definitely starting to get into his head. So yeah, I can give you that
2: one. Now where,
1: shit's okay. getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> at just at this point,
2: yeah, just yeah. at this point. Um, but, but, yeah. but but again, yeah, yeah. this
0: this no again this movie like. It's just this is another one of those scenes that burns into your head just because it's such a fun scene of you know <laughs> Bateman just running down the hall naked with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's just fucking mm-hmm. awesome,
2: <laughs> and it works, you know. And it, it, it leads to the next scene of him breaking up the engagement with Evelyn while he's fucking like a little kid drawing on the fucking you know the tabletop. <laughs> the girl with those chainsaw to her back, <laughs> covered in blood. Mm-hmm. He's like, this just isn't working out. And she's like, you're breaking up with me right here? He's like, yeah, sorry, later. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there's just no emotion to it. And that's just playing into the fact that he has no emotion. He has no concern for everyone whatsoever. He never to really Break it. But off.
0: also, at, at this moment, she brings up the whole thing, and we can't break up because my friends are your friends, your friends are my friends. And he has this moment of release where he goes, you know what? You can take them all with you. Yeah. I don't want any yep. of them.
2: Yeah. He doesn't want you know, anything to do with anybody. He just wants to be on his own, you know, in a way, which, you know, leads to the craziness of like the Gord said earlier, the complete unhinging of Patrick Bateman that we get to see progress to this movie.
1: I think that's really what all of this was about at this point anyway, though. It was about him disconnecting from all of those remaining things that made him human. Yes. Um,
2: And then you go into the sequence. Um, They don't really give a good timeline of events as far as, like, you know, how long it's been since that day they had with Evelyn, but the next sequence that you see is him at night going to an ATM and the ATM commanding him to feed a stray cat to the ATM. And he's like, okay, well, sure. (laughs) I'm going to feed it. And we have the woman coming up to him going, what the fuck are you doing? And he shoots her. (laughs) Like, range in the chest. Like, you know. That's what you get, bitch, for trying to interrupt me feeding this cat to the ATM, and that's what leads to the fucking craziest sequence in this movie, of the the police chasing after him through the streets of New York City at night, and having the gunfight in the alley where he blows up a fucking cop car, and he looks at the gun like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes, you did that. it. run, go. <laughs> I
0: love that moment, though, where after he blows up the two cop cars, like, he actually takes a moment to look at the gun like, to, you, know, like that, you know, like, that shit only happens in movies. What the fuck? <laughs> I know.
2: It was so good. The fact that he touched that second to look at the gun going, okay, fine, I'm going to run in this fucking building. And, again, identity crisis. You have the security guard going, hey, Mr. Smith, burn the Midnight 0, eh? He goes, nope, shoot him. <laughs> nope. Because, <laughs> <So> again, <laughs> He's mistaken for somebody else Because, again, he looks like everybody else And then he goes into the next building And shoots the janitor No, No, it's the
0: same building Then he shoots the janitor And I love... the whole thing about shooting the janitor because he goes into the revolving door and out of the corner of his <laughs> eye, he sees the janitor yeah, you so he spins back around the door and while yep. still spinning the door, shoots the janitor and then spins the door and just
2: goes out of the building. <laughs> yeah, just to go in that building. Until he runs to his other building, which is his building, and he sees a security guard and instead of shooting him, he breaks out the pen. Yeah, I'll sign in real fast. Even though I'm covered in fucking sweat and I look like I've been through some shit, I'm just going to sign in real fast and go up to my office so I can call my lawyer and confess. So, Ghoul, what did you think about the confession sequence of Patrick at this moment, with the helicopters flying around, police are obviously after him at this point?
1: Uh, again, I think that if more than any other scene in this film, um, I feel like this, um, and the, you know, the other sequence, uh, I, I forget if it happened, before, I think it happens before this, when he goes back to the apartment,
2: no and it, no uh, that does
1: happen after this, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. at this point here, I feel like we're achieving that odd part of this film where you no longer now know for sure whether or not this is in his head or if this yeah. is reality, um yeah. you know, up until this point, you could lend to all of this being real, but then when you get to yeah. the point where now you have him seeing, you know, an ATM telling him to feed it the cat. You know, he shoots the woman. The cops come. He's running from them. He shoots the cops. The cop car fucking explodes. Like, (laughs) you know, yes, I know that we see these all in – these things happen in typical action movies all the time, but that isn't this film. And being that everything else in this film has been, you know – Staged in "quote unquote" reality, it doesn't make sense that these fantastical things would be happening. So watching yeah, him get I unhinged did. to the point that he is calling the lawyer, he's telling the lawyer that you know, or he's confessing to all of these things that he's done. Um, it's. Him breaking down. And again, I think that this is where, like, you know, the scene with the cat, especially, I see why you'd be getting, uh, what's his name, to to be the director of this? Um, uh, Cronenberg? Cronenberg. You know, I think that maybe that there was a draft out there which had a lot more to do with the body horror aspect Mm -hmm. of this uh, character and this film that that we don't get from Harren. Um, you know, one of the things that I questioned too with the Ghoul Girl while watching this, um, would this how different would this film be with a man directing it as opposed to a woman? You know, I get that yeah. the, that the men have Feministic qualities and needing to be pretty and looking good and all of this, but ultimately what you kind of get from the movie is a, a woman's perspective of how men are. You know, and mm-hmm. when the book itself is based out of the perspective of Patrick Bateman, it's based out of the perspective of a man. I really do wonder, you know, how different this movie is if directed by a guy. Is he capable yeah. of getting a a more realist Sorry, I just like. Blue wind, man. I don't know if that came through or not. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but thanks for
0: sharing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank
1: Is a, a man director capable of getting a more realistic portrayal of how men with each other, especially in Possible. an environment such as this? Um, Possibly. You know, almost Wolf of Wall Street-like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that movie kept that movie kept popping in my head watching this this time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, What's you know, that, that's obviously never happened before. <laughs> and, yeah, I find it funny that DiCaprio was on tap at one point to play this character yeah. because I had mentioned that to the ghoul cool girl. And, like, the first thing, not that he was going to play the character, but that, like, you know, I could see him doing it. And, like, she was, like, right off the bat, she's like, no, no way. he's He's too... I forget exactly what she said um, about him, but uh, it wasn't that he was too pretty for it, but that I guess okay. he was just too different for it. I but, can agree you with know, that. I, I, yeah. I think that they, uh, they, they went perfect with Bale. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and because uh, yeah, like you were talking about the apartment, you know, after he gives his confession to his lawyer, he goes the next day to Paul Allen's apartment with the mask on to clean up because he knows he left a lot of bodies there. But he gets there, and everything's been painted over. Everything's fine. You have a real estate agent showing this apartment to another couple. um, And he's like, yeah, uh, I've read about it in the Times. And she's like, there was no ad in the Times. I think it should just fucking go. So it kind of leads you to wonder if she discovered this, and it was a murder scene, and they cleaned it up, or if it never happened at all. You know, if it was just all made up, and Paul Allen's apartment was never a murder house that he had made it into, which I think it, it, it's special, you know, the way that they do that, because it leads it either way. Either he really did it and they cleaned it up or it never happened.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I think it's, go ahead, yeah.
0: No, no, uh, I, I was going to say the exact same thing you were. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think, again, like you said, it can be read either way with it. You can read it that you know, obviously, that there is some bigger conspiracy going on. You know, you are talking about the wealthy and the elite here. Um, yeah. We know that, you know, again, Patrick Bateman, like Evelyn said, your father basically owns the company. So you're dealing with the level of wealth that we're not even really seeing. You know, we're looking at right. Patrick Bateman saying, oh, well, you know, he's wealthy because of his work. But the reality is, is he's, you know, he's a trust co- a trust fund baby. Um, you know, he's probably even more wealthy because of his parents and, and, and his family's wealth. You could also take it. And I brought it up to the ghoul girl last night with it. You know, you're talking about New York here. Let's say, you don't know exactly what happened to Paul Allen, but they come to this, you know, they come to this apartment, you know, the, the people in charge of the building or whatever, you kind of can't, get premium money for an apartment that had that kind of uh murder occur in it like hundreds, so yeah. it would be to the benefit of the building and to whoever owns or leases said apartment to not let it be known that those murders occurred because yes, you yeah. know again like we've seen in this film everything is about money and what you can make with it and how much you're going to get for stuff mm-hmm. And a premium is always what you want.
2: Exactly. And, you know, after he gets booted Oh, Monkey was going to
1: say something. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no.
2: No, I was just going to echo
0: everything that the ghoul said. That's all. Carry on.
1: Okay.
2: So (laughs) we get the the final moments of this film where he goes to the restaurant to meet up with his and unquote friends, like we have said. Um, And he meets up with his lawyer, Harold, who mistakes him for somebody else once again, And he goes, oh, yeah, I heard that. Weird fucking voice play left me. What a joke. Uh, You fucking crack up. And he's like, no, I fucking killed Paul Allen. And he's dissolving in a bathtub in Hell's Kitchen. I'm telling you I did this. And he goes, that's impossible. Because I had dinner with Paul Allen last week in London. And all of a sudden, this moment of Patrick Bateman's kind of redemption kind of washes over him where he's like, you know what? I got away with it. So it's a way to look at it of, I got away with it, or is he an unreliable narrator where this never happened because his final dialogue moments are, this confession means nothing. So it leads to that. Of, Did this actually occur, or is he making it up? Is he an unreliable narrator? So I want to get your guys' thoughts on that, with that final monologue of Patrick
1: Raven. Go ahead, Cole. No, again, I mean, I think that's, you know, ultimately what this movie ends up kind of delivering is the idea that he might not have done any of this. And, you know, as a true psychopath, this was all completely in his head. We've been watching him take medication the entire movie. Um, You know, we've seen other characters, you know, Samantha Mathis' character, you know, she's loaded on
2: Lithium, she's that. on Xanax,
1: yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff there. Um, I do actually feel like there's a plot point that doesn't get, like, resolved there. I feel like, you know, the the last time we see her character with him, like, it just kind of leaves you with that feeling like she's going to die. Um, yeah. And yet we oh, never yeah. actually hear from her again in any way. You know, we don't find out anything that's happened to her character. Like I don't know, it just had an overdose or suicide written all over it. Like the way it oh, yes. uh, just was panned out, you know. And you also had the uh the Lewis character with who she was with, um, the, the homosexual uh mm-hmm. relationship yeah. with him and uh his feelings towards Patrick. Uh but yeah, again, like you said, it's an unreliable narrator, which I know the book kinda Goes to as well, but you it know closes. it's yeah. it's kind of pushed a little harder here in the film, and I think that's kind of kind of what you get left with, where you don't know. It's ambiguous. It could go either way. It could have happened. It might not happened. You know the fact that you know the the lawyer saying he had dinner twice with Paul Allen doesn't mean shit because we heard
2: who knows you know knows. the
1: the the, <laughs> yeah. the detective said that somebody else said they saw Paul Allen in London, but then it turned out that it was another person, so for all we know, this lawyer who doesn't even know who Bateman is, and he's calling him Davis, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. he could have had dinner with Davis, thinking that that's Paul Allen.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And all all of... of Well, I'm not going to go into what I thought, I was just going to go into all of this actually ended up being just a bit of serendipity because I read an interview because I read an interview with the director where she said she did not mean to do the ending as vague as she did. She, because she based it off the book and, you know, this whole sequence. And the thing is what she was going for is Bateman definitely killed people. He definitely did murders, but the whole thing at the end is supposed to go. Yes. Yeah, he did it, but he got away with it because he right. finally, fi- finally blended in and fit in so much that, yeah, you know, everything the ghoul said about, you know, the, the lawyer, people mistaking the lawyer and people mistaking him, he has finally blended in to where, yeah, he is literally now just another face in the crowd, and, yeah, he got away with it, and, you know, she says she didn't mean to leave it that vague she was very upset because she felt like she failed as a storyteller to actually nail the ending.
2: But, and I think it's a compliment like, uh, to her, you know?
0: struggle. So yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, King, why don't you go ahead and say what you said last night when I told you this.
2: I was going to say it's a compliment to her for making it so ambiguous. So You don't really know who to trust. You don't know if Patrick Bateman actually killed all these women or if he's making it up in his head. Like, maybe he did. Maybe he did kill everybody that he said he killed. Maybe he did taste human flesh. But maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just bored of who he is on Wall Street. He wants to stand out. He wants to make a name for himself. He wants to be a Ted Bundy. But at the same time, maybe he did achieve what he kind of wanted to do all along, which is to be a chameleon, where he could just blend in and get away with these fucking crimes at the end of the day and not get caught, which is a moment of catharsis, like I had said, where he says this confession meant nothing. So I think it leads the viewer down that path of you could figure it out in your home. And I think Mary Han did a fantastic job. I don't think that it's a detriment at all.
1: And again, uh, like it, that kind of lends credence to, like I said, whether or not like, you know, did other films during this time have an influence on it? Did it have an yeah. influence <clears throat> on the people that were editing the movie? You know, so mm-hmm. that's uh you know, I mean, regardless of whether or not you think it's good or bad, the fact is it's, it's an entertaining movie to watch. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. You get some great oh, performances yeah. out of it. It's, you know, you just you kind of can't go wrong with it.
2: No. Uh, so, once again, thank you so much for the fan pick of the week, T.A. Radke. Great pick. I hope we did the movie justice. I hope you enjoyed the episode uh, next week. Uh, I believe it is up to you, Monkey, to deliver us a pick. So, what do you have for us?
0: It is! And since my we had a shuffle, that means I'm now doing pre Christmas pick. So we're going to go with a newish movie, and we're going to go ahead and celebrate
2: the holiday season with Krampus. The Michael Dougherty film. Okay. All right. So let's ring in the Christmas season with Krampus. Looking forward to talking about that. Ho, ho, ho. So let's do it Alright so uh, Mucky Why don't you and, sign off For the night
0: Well actually I was going to say Speaking of the holiday season Ghoul
1: Yes
2: Yes You got oh. to plug What's going to that Mucky Come
1: on <laughs> I mean You know It's just like hey you know I gotta get something For my hoe Um, uh, Yeah no absolutely Uh, It is the Christmas season So Why not get on over to Bonfire B Designs And get your loved one a nice piece of jewelry uh you know the uh the etsy store has been blowing up as of late with the uh with the holidays coming and the cool girls working overtime trying to get things out while also still getting us all presents and doing her thing um but yeah there are plenty of wonderful items out there for your boyfriend girlfriend whichever sex you, you're into you got a, a prostitute that you feel like giving something nice to before you murder her <laughs> in an apartment somewhere, before you eat <laughs> her yes. face, before, you know, but, you don't sorry. just stare at it, eat it. Um, eat it. you know, <laughs> don't just go to the Etsy, Etsy page and stare at it. Buy something. Uh, go right on now. So uh, bonfire beat designs, all one word on Etsy.
2: All right. Now assign yourself off monkey.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, I,
2: uh, me too,
0: just want to sit there and say T.A. Radke, thank you so much for the pick I had a great time covering it And I'm your horror host, the Mad Monkey saying, Thanks for listening, let me come in your ear Good night, everybody
2: <laughs> ah,
0: Excellent Alright
2: Ghoul, what do you say in that expression phrase that you always say at the end of every episode?
1: Stay scared, everybody Stay scared, and don't forget Don't just stare at it Eat it
2: and make sure when you're listening to we listen to the news, keep Patrick, baby, in your thoughts. Until next we meet, have a great fucking week, everybody. We'll see you next time. We'll recover. Mother, though, Krampus. It's a man, monkey's pick. Enjoy, everybody. We'll see you next time.